Welcome to Where Wine Takes You, a wine podcast that aims to make wine more approachable, more conversational, and more accessible through getting you to know more than tasting notes, shelf talkers, and descriptors. We choose to share the wine with you by getting you to know the people, the stories, and the places behind that bottle that you've chosen to fill your glass with, or hope to. And when you talk about New World Wine, the adventure behind people and place, there is no region that is more exciting and do it with more authenticity, gosh, pulling power, charm, magnetism, persuasibility, flirtiness, flavor, warmth, I could go on and on, than Paso Robles wine country. We are renegades with elegance. It's why I'm here. I'm your host, Adam Montiel. Well, we are still in the thick of harvest. I'm actually out of the country on vacation. I'm on another microphone I don't normally use, so I hope it still sounds okay. And apologies if the intro and outro sound like I'm around a Mexican jungle because that's exactly where I am. I am in Zihuantanejo, Mexico, in the state of Guerrero. It's a few miles south from Extapa. We're about 150 miles northwest of Acapulco. Zihua is actually about 200 miles lower in latitude than even Hawaii. We're in Playa La Ropa, rented this house house with a whole lot of history. It's called Casa Luna. It was built in the 70s, I want to say. And the owner loved the art scene, was big in the Studio 54 scene. So this place was built for entertaining. Steps from the beach, but the majority of this house is all open air. And I mean, it never really gets below 70 here any time of year. Right now, it's a little humid and we're in the shoulder season, the latter of which I love. But this house is insane. In the yard alone, I've seen frogs, the most beautiful butterflies I've ever seen in my life. Scorpions, the coolest birds, parrots, chachalacas. I had a crab in the shower the last two days. It's been just a cool, really relaxing experience, well needed, but not even all this beauty could keep me away from connecting with you here. And I'm really excited about today's show. Before we get into it, I'd love to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It helps us very much. You have made us a top 10 wine podcast in the country. We've hit as high as number four. We have hit as high as number 15 on the vast chart that has everything from food, whiskey, cooking podcasts included in it that we're on. We've even ranked high on the places and travel chart. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being a part of this, growing with us. And when you tell a friend and share the pod in a text or whatever, it helps us a lot. So thank you very much. A couple of fun reviews to hit real quick. Thanks to JD Jim One says Adam does a great job bringing the personalities and vibe of Paso to listeners. Listening to this podcast has really helped me better understand the amazing creativity that is being exhibited by Paso winemakers. This podcast is about much more than wine. Indeed it is. It's about amazing people who are all working together to make Paso the next great wine region. Thank you, JD Jim. This one from E. Tepman. What a great show. The winemakers of Paso, so special, full of chutzpah, charisma, deep knowledge, and endless passion. Adam is crazy fun and a master interviewer, a quality at ease with the greats and up-and-comers showcasing each in their unique light. So look forward to each episode. If you like wine, Paso, and great personalities, do yourself a favor and treat yourself to this delicious brew. E. Tetman, what a great review. Thank you so much for taking the time to both of you and anyone who drops a line to say hello. Okay, so on to today's show and guests. You have probably heard that you can't make good wine from bad grapes. Now you could switch that up, flip the script. You could have great grapes, mess them up and make bad wine. But if you are gonna end up with great, truly great world-class wine, you have got to start with great 
world-class grapes. We're going to bring you to where those come from today. Two men who work in the grape game, not wine. They farm, they sell, they manage. They are arguably the most important piece of this puzzle because it's the launching pad and a necessary one at that for getting great wine in the bottle. When you think of the most popular, the most hard to find, hard to book, hard to get your hands on wines, chances are one of these two dudes is working directly with them. And especially this time of year, probably texting them pretty regularly. Lucas Pope from Coastal Vineyard Services, also Haleotide. Now, Coastal Vineyard Services is a company that you want to use if you're farming grapes and really want it done right the first time. They have a team of viticulturists who help their clients from things like cultivation, irrigation, and harvest to stuff like location scouting, land preparation, and more. I talked to a listener of the podcast recently, Ernest, who was super interested in learning more about this and have had others ask these kind of questions and the dynamics. It's really interesting. And Lucas will break down what CVS does today and a lot more. He and his wife, Nicole, who is a very acclaimed winemaker, she was at Stolo. Now she and Lucas do a super popular, small lot, high level sparkling brand called Haleotide that you should definitely look into and check out. Uh, Get your hands on because it is blowing up. It's the super upper echelon now of sparkling wine here. And as so, so, so many are getting into sparkling, when you find a brand that is doing it like on the level of the big dogs and turning industry heads the way they are, you pay attention. I met Lucas when he was running the vineyards at Halter Ranch. He's a friend and just a fantastic guy. With Lucas today, Bill Gibbs. We had Bill Gibbs on accidentally just for a few minutes in, I want to say, episode 12 with Elena from Top. Bill Gibbs has G2 Vineyard. He has quickly risen to one of the more popular vineyards in Paso. All the cool kids want his fruit. And I'm not sure if this kind of rise is luck, chance, design, a little bit of all three, but I'm dying to find out. I knew when I had him on the first time, I really liked his amiable and open personality. Super candid, really cool guy. I'm just excited for Bill to be here. Bill's G2 Vineyard was originally made popular by Justin Smith of Saxon, but since Don from Turtle Rock also has produced a 100-point wine with Bill's fruit, check out episode 36 for that chat. The gravitas behind G2 has taken on a life of its own, and I can't wait to hear the story behind it. We show up to an undisclosed and private winemaking property in Templeton. I don't know where I am, to be honest. I've never been here. We set up in the end of the winery. Remember, this is a sparkling wine house here, so we're surrounded by riddling racks. Picture like a sandwich board that you'd see out in front of a deli or a restaurant, but like 20 times bigger. It's covered in holes, and these holes hold bottles of wine by their necks so the lees can settle. The bottles are turned periodically and increasingly tilted until the bottle is all the way inverted and then the junk will come out, you disgorge it, and pretty much we're talking about Method Champenois. So anyway, we're surrounded by riddling racks. I think we're coming into the conversation and they're asking about the equipment, my board, etc. Let's go. Give me that mm-hmm sound, we'll get by, we pass on round till the job is camped out in the trees, it will simplify good company. This thing is cool because this board has like mic processing in it. So you go through here, it comes to, so it does pretty much everything that it could sound like I'm in the studio. Oh, perfect. Which is great. So, and then it's got these things, which are kind of cool. Those things. Yeah, these are like these little buttons. Oh, Thank you. What's go. going on? Oh, I was going to say, you look like a DJ. Here we go, yeah, yeah. You're going to hit some Welcome to go. Where Wine Takes You. Here we go. It's uh, Where Wine Takes You Morning Radio. Bill Gibbs and 
Lucas Pope, good morning. <laughs> you know, it's got all kinds of little sounds and stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but you could program them to be anything. So oh, if I for had, sure. you know, so. Oh, that wasn't the actual beginning? No, no. The- <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready to rumble? <laughs> yeah, I got right. Yeah, no it's way. amazing. Oh. I love it. Cheers, gentlemen. Here we are. Cheers. You know, one thing that is so cool about these visits is the ambiance and where you record and you never know what those four walls are going to look like and where we are now is uh it's in the haleotide winery we're in the riddling room you also got some wine that's in tarage right here absolutely yeah the next several vintages wow and uh, it's, a, it's a relatively smaller, it's a cordoned off smaller place of the winery, but it's got beautiful photos, which I want you to explain. And you got some like, you know, pieces on the wall. So this isn't just like, I don't it doesn't feel just utility. It feels like there's a real beauty to the room. Yeah, we try and, I mean, you could see if behind you, you got chalk from the kids. Yeah. We all kind of <laughs> roam through here. And yeah, it's, we try to make it a fun space. Um, something more than just white walls. I know the wine doesn't really enjoy it as much as... Uh, are you tasting people? Are people coming to taste your wine here? No. Okay, so, so the public, you are not open to the public for Haleotype. No, not at all. Most of our list is industry. We're just super humbled that people like the product so yeah. much they go for it. Like Justin Smith is a huge supporter. Juan Mercado. I have never had somebody support the wine more than Juan Mercado. He tried it. He loves bubbles. You look at the wines that he drinks on a daily basis. Oh my God, it's crazy. They're big and world-renowned wines. And then he... Yeah. He buys a lot of it. His friends all buy a lot of it. I remember uh, the hospice this year. Went to the house party and, hey, got some new bottles that nobody's tried. And he brings out a bottle of Salon, a magnum of Salon. And he's like, here, we're going to try these side by side. And just like, what's Salon? It's a really... Oh, Salon's like a... It's the top of echelon of... Uh, sparkling. Sparkling and then in particular Blanc de Blanc and from the region that we really love ourselves, the um, uh, Lebanese region. So when he breaks out a $2,000 bottle to put next to R85, we're just, I'm, I'm like, I'm embarrassed, honestly. I want to hide it away. But yeah. I'm like, I really am curious to try them side by no, side. No, sure. And the love that that whole crowd has for, for sparkling wine. So what does that mean for you? Do we produce more? Do we need to, what do we do? I mean, ultimately, we charge more. more. We do something. I would like to charge a little bit more, but ultimately it is building the brand to a point where we can maintain the hand touch on everything. Yeah. And because we're sitting next to bottles, riddling, or they call it riddling what? Yeah, riddling. Riddling tables? Riddling racks. Yeah, riddling racks. Do you realize you're in the perfect room for this interview? Asking questions in the riddling room? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, there you go. Come on. (laughs) Look at that. Yes. Of course, today we're here, we're talking about vineyards. It's just so fascinating because you can't have the cult wines we have, the popular wines we have, the way Paso is growing with these great, beautiful wines without rock star folks in the vineyards and more than just planting and being a good farmer which this is, is required here but we have um almost like cult vineyards you know it's funny when we were in france i noticed like they don't revere the winemaker like we do isn't that interesting but here it's like not only do we revere the winemaker but i mean even the grower like what these are from where like what g2 oh being Nacido. you know is that is it when did you kind of clue into that it was that something that you kind of knew of or how did you know how did this all happen for you Well, I had a first career, and in my first career, my company did marketing and brand creation. And when I came to farming here in Paso about 11 years ago, it didn't seem to me like any of the farmers were doing much in the way of marketing or brand creation. So we always kept that in mind with selecting my customers, people who could do a good job with my grapes, and trying to focus on ultra-premium grapes. I mean, there's many tiers in the wine industry, everything from commodity grapes to very good grapes to really great grapes. 
and you can kind of aim it one way or the other with your farming and with your your price and with your terroir and uh so starting with the blessings of having Justin Smith select my best property. We're going to get into that because that's a great story. But you decided I want to be in the top tier. Yeah, I didn't want to make regular grapes. And I didn't want to make grapes that sold for the average price. And I didn't want to do average farming. We wanted to make the best winemakers of Paso happy with these grapes. Now, obviously, the desire to be a good farmer, sure. But was this pretty much born from the branding and like marketing kind of background you had? Well, it's not. That wasn't the primary goal but like while we're doing this well I'm not this, trying to cheapen it I'm just wondering I mean, yeah, that's please, a, please that's right. I, well, it's I really have to a, sell these grapes no no no, 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 no <laughs> but my point is I'm, my point is almost like it's a savvy way to approach it because you're right like you noted a few minutes ago who's doing that that's really smart well everything I know about grapes I learned from Justin Smith and my other customers let's give them all credit but he always said be very careful who you allow to do a single vineyard designate you know be careful who you allow to put your label your uh your vineyard name on their label because this is how people are going to perceive you. This is the quality of product that is going to be presented to them. And that was very good advice. So we've tried to do that. And largely it's been a lot of fun because it's fun when people recognize your vineyard name. And that's happening more and more now. The story of how you landed with Justin and how you guys looked at G2. I'm also privy to some of this other, like this manifest destiny. We've purchased some new plantings and we're planting some new things, which is really exciting for you. So I can't wait to talk about all that. I know that we're about to open up a bottle of Heliotide. Let's hear that. Put that oh, over your microphone. Oh, man, I was sneaking it through. But oh, no. Should we send it? Yeah. Oh, man. I'm not used to sending a wine bottle. Whoa, look at you. And he did it without one drip. Dan, you still did it like a gentleman. I love it. Lucas Pope, when I met you, it was at Halter Ranch, but you are a vineyard guy through and through. Talk about where this aspect of the wine industry bid on to you, Coastal Vineyard Services now, and how it all happened. Well, I studied at Cal Poly, first graduating class of wine and vit, and that's where I met Kevin Wilkinson and several other colleagues. I was actually looking for the fastest way out of Cal Poly. Kevin Wilkinson, big name and growing in, in the yeah. area, for sure. Uh, he founded the Coastal Vineyard Services yeah. here in, in our area. I was looking, I started mechanical engineering at Poly, and I was looking for the fastest way out. And wine fit, fit the key. I was able to work outside. I could work with my hands. You can be creative. People don't think it's as creative as uh, um, some other professions, but that you mean really wine attracted me. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. What are some ways we can be creative in the vineyard just, just in the same way as... Uh, so you're saying there's almost something as artistic to the farming as maybe what a winemaker may do once it hits the concrete. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's all about... I mean, we are... We, this year is in particular, it's highlighted that we are stewards of you know the land and the grapes and we do the best thing we can, but Mother Nature's in charge. Yeah. And you have to be reactionary and we're not looking at a long-term scale. I, I know the general basics of when things are going to happen through the vineyard, but I study that 10-day forecast all the time. And it's like, oh man, Kevin, did you see that? Heat's coming. Oh shoot, looks like three days a I got to oh know what gosh, weather app. Go. I'm going to use the weather app that Lucas Pope uses. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> well, it used to be John Lindsay. John Lindsay retired. I know. I, I, used to, I, have, I have him on my morning show regularly. Just had him on a couple days ago. Yep. As he's enjoying retirement now, but yeah. He was a, a major resource. Um, I use the Paso Wine Alliance forecast, the Western Weather Group forecast. What do they then, use? I mean, do they use like NOAA? Or? Um, no, Western Weather Group does their own forecast for the Paso Wine Alliance based upon all the Davis weather stations that they have data from. Okay. So all the way out to the Cayucas Ridge Justin Smith property all the way to the east side, north, south. Um, so it's they, tailored almost for folks like what you're doing. It is, and they have a uh, semi-long range, and then I always look at um, Weather Underground, the 10-day. I check that and one, too. And then I check NOAA as well. Yeah, I check those, I just, too. It's like the... 
you look at my computer, there's... That's all your bookmarks. <laughs> what a boring dude, and, right? Yeah. Normal, normal dude that's like, fantasy football, my bank <laughs> app, or like whatever. And his is just like, weather, 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 weather. What do you trust for weather, Bill Gibbs? Uh, weather Underground. Yeah. It's a cute phone app, and I can uh, access Agree. it. My wife just thinks I'm reading the Facebook or something. Yeah. <laughs> It's so true. I love the way you position that because he's totally right. So you find your way to Halter Ranch. That's got to be a really, really good gig. Yeah, it was It was a lot of fun. I started even before that when I went straight out of college and managed a, oh, I started a business with a friend of mine managing small vineyards in Santa Cruz Mountains for just the tech elite who wanted their own vineyard property, three acres or less, farm to table. Super niche market. Yeah, and it was awesome. Um, ended up selling the company, and Nicole and I traveled for a while. So you could do that as a full-time job? Yeah, I mean, we went from one or two customers to over 30. How did you market yourself? It, there's a very small world of those vineyards up there, and people just started talking, and it, it, it took hey, off. I got this guy, Lucas. He does my stuff, and yeah. he could do you. I'll give you his number. Yeah, Lucas. <laughs> no way. Yeah. You pick up another client. No way. Yeah, it was, did they have any clue what they were doing, these people? No, but having expendable, <laughs> disposable incomes the way they did, they drank the best wines in the world. Yeah, so dispendable might have been had a, the to better make word. sure that you were able to produce something from their property. Oh, they for could sure, share with their friends. Oh, yeah. No, and I didn't ask to be like, could you get away with murder yeah. there? But no, I mean, no. no sure. I imagine you're trying to do the best for a client that literally has no clue whether you're doing it or not. For sure, <laughs> for sure. And you know, when they get it in the bottle, and yeah, how much do they love bragging about their wine to their friends and stuff? Is it? Oh man, you know, is it, is it, it almost is like, gross? It, it can be. Oh. <laughs> so you sell that business. No, in a good way. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you sell that business. That's cool. Yeah. Is that business still going on? Still going. It's good cool. friends of mine. They still own it. They're no opening way. a tasting room in a week or two in Version Wines up in Santa Cruz. Um, good for you. Yeah, and then the halter gig came up after Stolo, actually. I was at Stolo first. We lived at the Cambria property, and that's where some of the grapes come from for the Blanc de Blanc. And then, yeah, halter came up. and was like, well, Stolo's not really big enough to entertain all my time. And Nicole really pushed me. She was like, you get your butt out there and get a yeah, job. Sure. So the Halter thing was awesome. It was really focused on... So Halter Ranch, obviously, resources for days. Yes. Very well thought out. A deep team to accomplish really whatever they want. A lot of um, forward-thinking aspects as far as like wildlife corridors. So they're on the tip of a lot of things. Yet Absolutely. there is some history here. The old McGilvery Ranch. Am yep. I saying that right? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, with the old Victoria from Arachnophobia, the movie. Yep. The old airstrip that Reagan like came in and announced his gubernatorial run on. Like, there's some history to this place. And then there's this, like, owner who's, like, one of the richest dudes in the world. Was that weird to have? Because you're not working there now. You can tell me. Was that weird to have an uber-rich dude as the owner and, like... That's got to have been a little bit odd. It was It was a little odd more in... It was a mind... Yeah, it's a mind ass. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because when he comes into town, everyone's got to act like it's like the chief of Scientology is in. Was it weird? Oh. Like, was everyone like programmed weird? Or was it like, no, oh, he's, he's the boss. I mean, was he nice? Like, he was I, a really nice guy. And when he come to town, he remembered everybody's names. He would take time to go say hi cool. to everybody and the other people from his team. We, I mean, we were... Yeah. Kind of we all knew intimidating, though. Um, no? At times. I mean, he's... Very kind old gentleman, and yeah, you, you just he doesn't he has a presence in a room, but he's also a very he's so, not like a in your face kind of a person. Right, so. he's not like a Mark Cuban no kind of no. leader. He's a <laughs> different. He's a more subtle kind of leader. Much more. And okay, then, cool. Um, the biggest thing there was you know he's one of the biggest philanthropists yeah. in the world, and his he focuses on the on the planet. So yeah, the big part for me was like how do I be a steward of this 
person's land who yeah. who has such that's large global goals person. of being it's a huge thing to weigh on your shoulders. Yeah, you're the it, one in charge of the vineyards. Yeah, it does motivate you, huh? It motivates because then you're just like, oh man, was you know he what? on your ass on a lot of things? Like, are we doing the most? Blah blah blah. Are we doing the absolute? Yeah, was it spare no expense or was it here's the budget? There you go. Both. Here's a generous budget. Get it done. But if you have creative ideas on how to get things done in a more efficient or more eco-friendly way, let's let's hear them. And, yeah. Wow. Okay. But then, yeah, it transitions the whole thing because he was getting into business, and then it became a you know he's got to make money at the the business. So. Yeah. Then the budget came. Yeah. No. Sure. So that happens, and then yep. at some point you decide why the exit. Can we talk about why the exit? <laughs> <laughs> we had this discussion about the exit at. Avila Beach, right after I exited. You and I? Yeah. Okay. We we were sat down with Kobe, and it was, I can't remember, Taste oh, of the Coast. okay. And yes, I think Kobe had resigned the year before from Claiborne. Right. It's um, right. You're right. It was a complicated exit. I think that ultimately, personalities, I mean, it was, it just it happened. Sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's different choices of mission and directions. Exactly. We, paths just move in different directions at That's times. what I would say. We all evolved and, yeah. um, you know, my focus might have not been the same as their focus. There you go. But was it scary to leave and do something kind of on your own different whole thing? It was scary at first, but the, the few months period that I allowed some time to focus and refocus. I mean, I volunteered in school. I picked up my kids every single day. I was working out all the time. It was, it was really nice to have that in the middle of a career to be able to take a two-month break and do whatever you want. That's crazy, huh? And it really kind of helped me reset, and I wasn't... I knew what I was looking for afterwards. Was your phone ringing? My phone rang some. Um, I kept it real quiet for a while. Okay. Because I just wanted to be able to focus. I mean, what I'd missed by being out of Halter, there's no cell service. We're working 12, 14, 18 hours a day. Harvest Dude. time, I would take my trailer out there. I wouldn't come home for three or four days, so I'd have to go find cell service. Does the richest, one of the richest dudes in the world pay good? <laughs> Loaded questions. <laughs> I mean, just like, I mean, did you feel like working there? Like, yeah, like, okay, at least, at least I'm getting paid good. It, okay, it so. evolved to that. Uh-huh. Yes, it evolved to that. There was some... some oh, absolutely, please. Yeah. No, I get it. I just, I mean... Uh, you were just such a well-respected, talented, and well-known dude. And I, I imagine after a, an exit like that, you have the – a lot of people would probably really be like, oh, my gosh, what, well, i got to know what Lucas is doing next. And there were a lot of questions from friends and other people in the industry. It was, it was nice to be able to sit down, especially with Kevin, because I met with a few people. But sitting down with him and talking about his goals mm-hmm. and how I saw myself continuing in my career. Yeah. Because there are certain things that I don't want to be up all night picking grapes. No. That is, he and I joke all the time. It's like, if we could leave for harvest, man, we'd do it in a heartbeat. Let's, right. let's just grow from, let's be there for pruning and then be there for the whole growing season and peace out at harvest time. Because it is a very stressful time. Yeah. You have such a big heart. I remember you were the reason that uh, my fiance and I were able to make our first wine. Yeah, it was epic. Montito. Oh, yeah, it was uh, It was beautiful, half ton of peak pool fruit. Oh, my God, it was the coolest thing ever. And as busy as this guy, and as busy I know you are, Bill, uh, he, he drove it over to us at Desperada, and we hand-sorted it. Made, you know, we made a, a barrel of peak pool. It was just yeah. the, the coolest thing, and like I can't even thank you oh. enough for that. It's on the wine list at Ember. I know. I saw it there. 
a couple weeks ago. We don't go to Amber often, but I saw it on the list last that's time so I was cool. there. Yeah. Like the, oh. Lucas is like, that's the fruit I gave him. I gave the fruit to that fool. Oh. I love it. Um, it's such a cool story. And so right now we're doing Coastal Vineyard Services. Yep. And we're doing, obviously, Haleotide is a big deal, too. Haleotide, yeah, that's our personal label. We started in 2016. Nicole was up in Napa making sparkling wine. And, you know, that's when I was in Santa Cruz. So we'd go back and forth to each other's places. And she would always bring lab samples home. And it was just like, oh, man, we could try bubbles on a daily basis. This isn't just some sort of celebration. <laughs> right. And that's when I changed my mindset to this is, can be a daily thing. And, it, you know, life is a celebration all the time. But... Sparkling wine should be consumed as often as white wine or red wine. I agree. So when we kind of got together and we're thinking, what would we do with our, you know, if we have any disposable income, what do we want to invest in? And well, it's ourselves. Okay, let's invest in ourselves and let's start a brand. Good for you. And the first time, you know, the first ton, ton and a half of fruit was just like, We'll see if we like this at the end of the day. Otherwise, man, we got party favors for a giant party. And, <laughs> right. And as it evolved over the three to four years in Taraj, it, it just became more and more special. And, and we just continued the project. And then we picked up some other coastal vineyards. And we are experimenting with a few different places. The um, Bassey Vineyard, Chardonnay now. Nice. Derbyshire. Mike Siner. Mike Siner. Derbyshire up there with the um, off Derby folks. Union. Yeah. Uh, Steve Vieira and I have been friends yeah. for a long time. He's been super respectful of a couple of things that we've asked to have changed in the farming. So we're doing herbicide free up there. Um, he runs a Clemens underneath the vines. Excellent. Um, cool. We talked to him about ways yeah. to leaf differently than he does his other stuff. And he's been super receptive and a big supporter, super big supporter. That's going to be cool because you, you got to really pull, you got to put that gingerly, right? Because here you are coming into someone else's situation. Be like, hey, would you mind if I totally kind of flip the script here a little bit? And but you do it in a respectful way, and you're such a nice, you're such a nice man, you know. But um, you also are a very smart guy, and you must be like, oh, okay. I mean, here's a, he, Steve's a soil scientist; he yeah. knows his his shit, no doubt. Yep. But it's like, okay, that, Lucas, okay, I'm feeling you there. Let's let's try that. Are these also places you farm for? I don't anymore. I don't farm for any of the places that we buy fruit from any longer because I don't farm anywhere right on the coast any longer. Yeah, Steve is great. We've had such a good relationship. It's always a discussion with him. And what do you think about these ideas and can you make it happen? The other place that we get fruit from is the Topatero Vineyard. Just no, few people know about. It's right next to Bassey. Ben Taylor. I don't know if you Bassey, know. by the way, is legendary Pinot, Mr. Pinot, Mike Siner. Yep. He started his own vineyard maybe five, six, seven, eight years ago uh, in Navala Beach. Probably one of the closer vineyards to the ocean in the whole Slow Coast AVA, which just got kind of its branding about a year ago. Yep. Uh, and Mike Siner is just a gangster. He's just awesome. And Bassey Ranchers are really, really cool, respected uh, vineyard. It is. We get Chardonnay from Bassey for our, um, we're going to end up doing vineyard site specific vintage bubbles from each one cool and the topatero is even closer to the ocean next vineyard over it's actually the same farmer who does both so mike oversees um with ben's help and yeah ben taylor's been he farmed for their uh tally farms for a while right and then he went out on his own he's consulting and then he's got his home property where he lives and we're fortunate enough to get a decent amount of fruit from him um for our rosé which is in the glass now. This well, is all Topatero Rosé. This is beautiful. And it shows you, because some of the names that you're talking about are people who aren't even just, you know, big names in El Paso wine growing, but like Slow County wine growing. We're talking like people who, you know, you start talking about like Ben Taylor and Tally. We're talking about brands and things that are all over it. It's so interesting. Uh, Lucas Pope, Haleotide, also Coastal Vineyard Services, also Bill Gibbs, G2, and the Infinite House. What do you think of sparkling wine? You mentioned before we jumped on air, you were not the biggest sparkling wine dude. I blame my wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I blame my wife for a lot of things. 
But especially when we were newly married many years ago, we had a birthday party for her. She drank too much champagne. It didn't end well. And it seems to have set her against sparkling wine for the rest of her life. Man, I've heard of tequila doing that. <laughs> but um, No, that, that wine... makes her clothes fall off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Different problem entirely. Yeah. <laughs> so we've nef- just never really been into champagne. I, I drink uh, the obligatory French champagnes now and then, carefully selecting the $50, $60 bottles, not the $500 bottles. Do you like them? I do. I do. And they're especially nice when it's warm, and they're especially nice when it's... Uh, you know, you're looking for a white wine, a cold, crisp, refreshing thing. But having just expressed my extreme lack of expertise in champagne, these are delicious. Yeah. <laughs> <They're awesome. laughs> I want to talk about G2's origin because it's so interesting. Do you know the story, Lucas? I don't. I'm curious to hear it. It's so interesting because there's this, there's this car ride, and I want to know what leads up to it and what we've uh, seen come of it. There's this car ride with Justin Smith and Bill Gibbs, and they're driving around, the window's down, and it's like this, that, the, you, you know, you should get that. Tell me the story of where uh, you're looking at properties with the help of, you know, someone who's beyond respected in uh, the farming scene and the cult wine scene here, Justin Smith of Saxum. Be glad to. Um, I bought my first property here in 2011, largely because the description said uh, Heartstone Vineyard on the house. And my wife and I were big fans of Saxon Wines. And she was looking for a vacation house. And, and I thought, how cool. We had sold my business and I, we had some funds, discretionary funds, I believe you <laughs> called them. And uh, we rushed up here to look and, and bought the place largely because the grapes were going to go to Justin. And that started my relationship with Justin, selling him grapes. How'd you meet him? Um, let's see. I, I think I first met him at a hospice de Rhone. We kind of say, hey, I knew that Justin has the Hearthstone Vineyard. I know I've loved that wine of his. I'm now buying that place. I should get a hold of him to say, hey, do you want this fruit still? The same year I bought Hearthstone, earlier in the year was a hospice de Rhone. And I bought at auction a double magnum of Saxon wines, not filled, not labeled, not anything. Because I had a daughter with a wedding coming up. I thought this will be cool. So I, that's when I first met Justin face to face and shook his hand. And that's cool. I've had his wines for years, but... Uh, you bought an empty bottle of wine? Empty, yes. Were they ever going to fill it up? Yes. Was that it was, a future? That was the deal. Oh, I get it. It was a future. I could okay, fill it with anything. And I asked him to oh, fill it... shoot. I asked him to fill it with Bone Rock. Damn. Six months later, I buy Heartstone. Bone Rock is that place right outside his house, right? Yeah. Beautiful. That terraced. Wonderful. So six months later, I buy Heartstone, and I say, uh, could you change that to Heartstone? <laughs> It'd be much more, much more of a story if you put my grapes into that, uh, that bottle for my Absolutely. daughter's wedding. So we had a couple of years of this, and uh, it started Justin saying, okay, I'll continue buying the grapes, but I'm not going to farm it anymore. I just don't have time. You've got to find someone to farm it who's acceptable to me. So I started going He gets through, to call all the shots, doesn't he? You know, that's... <laughs> Yes. So I start interviewing farmers. I don't think Coastal was around at the time. I don't remember stumbling across Coastal Vineyard Services in 11. And uh, I'd run these names past uh, Justin. Nope. Nope. One of the names was Guillaume. And Justin goes, nope, not the French guy. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. That's some tea right there. Guillaume was working for a La Ventura at the time. Yeah. I don't think he'd started close to Lynn yet. He was looking for his mistake. Does Guillaume know this? No, I'd never told anyone this. (laughs) That's so good. (laughs) Oh, damn. Yes. Anyway. Well, I mean, Guillaume's like, I mean, so we ended up. We ended up with um, 
the name that Justin liked best was uh, Juan Navarez because he uses Juan for labor. And uh, he said, but Juan's not a good enough farmer. And I said, what if we tell Juan to do exactly what you say? And Justin thinks about this and goes, yeah, that could work. (laughs) So our farming plan was to have Justin periodically visit and sample and test and say what he liked and didn't like and give explicit instructions to Juan, who would then direct his crews to farm it Justin's way. Juan Navarez. He, he had a labor company in town, very well known. He passed away a few years ago, and now there's a big scholarship fund in his name. This is the one for the vineyard team. Mm-hmm. This is the one from the Big Must Charities auction. Yes, that's going, that's using, right. They just but I raised, think it's working with the vineyard team, sub-certified people, yeah. They just raised like $2.5 million, uh-huh. a big chunk of which is going to go to the, uh, the Juan Navarez scholarship program. Right, which is so cool. Which is scholarship. How, how old was for, he? How did he pass away? He passed away of COVID. Oh. Yep, it was the beginning of COVID. Oh, my goodness. How old was the dude? Early 60s. Okay, man. This guy had the... He had Chronicles of Narnia in his head. He knew everything. He knew all of Justin's farming secrets. Are we sure Justin was cleared of this? Like, <laughs> As I recall, Juan had to sign a non-disclosure agreement. Right, of course. Right, right up yeah, front yeah. before we could do any farming. You're right. about to learn like, a lot right now. So just, oh, exactly. man, what, what a cool. I'm so glad they started the scholarship in this great man's name. How cool. And don't use it anywhere else. This is only used for Hearthstone. This was all Hearthstone. Okay, right. No, sure. And this lasted just like four years or so. And then... Uh, there was a, a year where new blocks we'd planted just hadn't developed, and it looked like it. the farming team wasn't doing a good job, and you know, so it was like time to change. But shortly before this, I had had an influx of discretionary income, <laughs> and uh, being the brilliant businessman I was, thought that I know I'm losing money on Hearthstone, but I can probably make it up in volume. <laughs> I, just, I just need a bigger vineyard. So I called up Justin and said, hey, Justin. I'd like to buy another vineyard. Could you help me select a property? And he goes, sure, that sounds like fun. This is your money, right? I said, yes, this is, <laughs> this is my money. He said, okay, okay. So good. So he, he calls his uh, number one realtor, Sierra Adams, wife of Mark Adams of Legend. The one and only. She's a legend, too. I love She's her. She's a legend. Wonderful lady. In fact, she just gave me a, a suitcase luggage like the one you dragged in here. Fly with wine? Yeah, the fly with wine thing. I've never had one of those. Those are pretty awesome. They are. But that's because she just sold me an expensive property this year. <laughs> there you go. You got one of these too, Lucas? I did for Nicole's Mother's Day last year. Yeah. We went on a trip to San Diego, and I got her one of those so that we could take our own wine with us. I know. And we're going to um, Mexico soon, and I don't know if I want to put the inserts in there or just use it all as a suitcase, or maybe I mean, I'm not going to bring a lot of wine from oh. Tanejo back, right? I'd bring tequila. There you go. I would. No, no, no. I would no, do half. I would do the half and then half close. There you you go. Take take half full of Paso wine down there. There we go. Now, just so you can be assured of having a good glass of wine exactly. now. Exactly. Oh, good point. Good point. So back to the story. Justin and Sierra show up at my house. I jump in and we go. Let's go. Let's go look at properties. And in fact, I was just mentioning to Lucas that the first property we looked at was what is now Moon Springs Vineyard. And we drove around and I said, My God, this place is big. <laughs> and then we drove over and looked at. Uh, I guess it was Luna Mata and. Uh, there might have been a couple other places, and we looked at this place called, well, it didn't have a name, but it was being run by VZZ. Uh, the VZZ company stood for Very Zuper Zinfandel. That was Zuper with a Z. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's old school Paso. Uh, no, actually. <laughs> you know this? No, it's probably, it sounds like 90s Paso to me. Actually, yeah. it, it was a French guy from Napa. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Justin says, you know, this place used to be called Gravity Hill. I've driven past it every day most of my life because it's the way he drives into Paso. is down Las Tablas Willow. He goes, this is the place I'd like to make grapes from. I go, it's got 19 acres as Infidel. He goes, well, not those grapes. <laughs> right. <laughs> got your property and have yeah. redeveloped it. Right, yeah. 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 Ching, ching. I said, uh, how soon am I going to be turning a profit on this? He goes, well, that's not my problem now, is it? <laughs> but uh, yes, and he goes, I'll take, I'll take that only block of Morved and I'll take that only block of Grenache. And I'd like you to plant another 13 acres for me. <laughs> that you do? Yeah, there was, there was yeah. empty space. Man. So I said, uh, absolutely, Justin. You get those two blocks, and uh, you don't have to buy any Zin. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you might have taken some Syrah the first year. We had, some, we had some Syrah. It was big on Zin and Syrah. And it took us a year to get the plans made and everything, and we did plant 13 acres for him, a mix of Grenache, Syrah, Morved, Carignan, Kunwa. Tanat? No, that was already there. That was already there. He didn't want that either. <laughs> Though I think he took it for a couple of years to no, play with it. I feel like um, I did a harvest with him probably like a little before COVID where some came in. But, but doing exactly what he wanted and giving him what he wanted was the best business plan for me because I know a good set of coattails when I see them. Sure. And I jumped on with both feet. Are we switching to red? Yeah. Okay. Here, let's start with this. I brought you two 2016 G2 single vineyard designates, uh, one from Turtle Rock and one from Saxon. They're very different wines. The Saxum is a Grenache-led blend, and the, uh, the Turtle Rock, I think, is straight Syrah. Okay, 90% Syrah, 6% Grenache, and 4% Morved. Is this the 100-pointer? Um, You'd like me to say yes, but I didn't bring those. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> but I know that Turtle Rock just had a 100-point Syrah with you, so that's why Both I of that. these wines scored 100 from Jeb in the 2019 Vintage. Wow. And the only reason I didn't bring them is they're too young. You know, sure. It's, it's drinking babies. Yeah, no, sure. Otherwise, I would have brought them right over. <laughs> so cool. Beautiful selections. I love it. And so the, continue. Go on. Okay. So I now had to sell 45 acres of grapes. I think Justin had just taken five or something. And uh, I had a lot of Zinfandel. I had a lot of uh, Syrah. You don't have a name for yourself yet. Oh, that was another problem. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> One problem at a time, I had to sell it first. Right. So who do I sell to? I sell to everybody whose wine club I've been into for decades. I just call it, you know, I've been buying wine from you forever. Chris Cherry and, uh, you know, uh, everybody, Scott Hawley and, and Booker and I should say Eric Jensen, <laughs> not uh, Booker. They're not the same anymore. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. But they all came over and they all walked the property with me. And uh, it was great because I didn't spend a lot of time with these people anyway. You're Bill who? You <laughs> Let me check my customer list. <laughs> right. Damn, you have been here a while. <laughs> uh, so they all went out there and they looked around and they complained about this. You know, this isn't the spacing I would have planted and this isn't the density we like. You know, some of this is low density. You know, who, who makes good wine out of low density fruit? And they all had complaints. Uh, the worst was Eric, who, who really tried to convince me that if I loved the industry of growing grapes and if I really wanted to support Paso wines... I'd charge a lot less for him. I'd, I'd, give, him a, I'd give him a better, a better price. And I said, if you really cared about Paso, if you really cared about Paso, if this is your passion, Bill, if this is your passion, yeah. you need to charge me less. <laughs> I said, Let me get back to you on that. So you knew you had a premium product in the beginning, but some of even the big dogs were trying to negotiate hard with you. 
Eric was the hardest. He's, yeah. He he earned my lifelong respect as a man I never want to negotiate with. Because <laughs> <laughs> he just wears you down or because he's good at it? Both. He's, he's a very hard, tough, good negotiator. And they're terrible people to do business with. Are you good at negotiating? Not like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm having much more fun with this business because the first thing I said to all these new customers was, look, I've had a career with lawyers and contracts. I'd like to do this all handshake and smile, old school. Which Paso is all about. And uh, they all said, fine, fine, we can do that. You're going to get an email with the details. I'm not opposed to anything in writing, but let's not get lawyers involved. They agreed to that. But almost every one of these guys, when we were talking about price and availability, said, Bill, no one's ever made a great wine off this property. Never. In fact, all these grapes have been going to uh, Jalor or up north, and, and these people are making good wines, but they're not making the kind of wines you're talking about. They're not making cult no. wines. They're not making 100 exactly. wines. So they said, why should we pay you these prices that you're asking for, for wine that no one's ever made great wines That's from? That's a fair question. What do you say to that? I say, well, Justin's buying some. Did that work? Well, first there was a three-second silence. I, I got one three now, too. I'm just like, hmm. And then they say... Did that work? Then they say, what's left? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that did work. Okay. It, it worked fantastically. And uh, in the first couple months, we sold three-quarters of the, the property, at which point... First couple months? I purchased it in 13. I did not own the harvest. So I was working in November for the next year for the 14 vintage. I wanted to get everything sold out immediately. I didn't, want to, I didn't want to be going in with commodity grapes at the end of the year after harvest. So after I sold out about three quarters of it, I realized that I had this customer, Jay Lohr, that didn't really understand what was going on yet. So I went and met with them. And I said, guys, do you still want to buy grapes from me? Because I've already business, yep. per se. Right. So they were gracious, and they did take what was left. And for uh, four years... I, at Bill Gibbs prices? No. This was a special deal. We didn't farm them organically. Right. We didn't farm them to higher standards and lower yields. We didn't do anything special to them. We farmed them the way they wanted them farmed per the contract. Um, in fact, I had to sign a contract with them. Um, it took me four years to get out of that contract. Three years was the minimum, and then a year's notice kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And they were great people. I love the Daylor people. They paid on time faster than anybody. They were <laughs> great businessmen. They were professional in every way, shape, and form. They yeah. weren't little businesses starving. And no, they're legends. But that, that wasn't who I wanted to do make grapes for oh you're sure that makes sense cool so in, in i think it was 17 we we had the, our last year with jailor and a bunch more grapes came on my availability and i had a list of customers who were asking for them by then and that made a real nice. probably got a wait list by now because we hadn't had much so then we transitioned over to entirely organic entirely low yield farming the whole property to one standard was so much easier Telling the, telling the tractor driver to stop and then turn around and not go into that block because that was the cheap block. We couldn't, we couldn't take multiple <laughs> passes in that block. Right. Pain in the butt. But uh, yeah, now everything is farmed pretty much to the same standard, except we, we're really heavy on custom farming to the customer's desires if they're not stupid. So in addition to calling harvest, which all our customers do, we, we go through the blocks to discuss pruning and how many you know, positions we're going to leave and how we're going to prune and all this kind of stuff. We go through with the customers to discuss um, shoot thinning and then fruit drop and green drops. We, we have... How much did you learn about farming and all this? I mean... Enough to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, a full-time... Well, in fact, in 19, we started doing our own farming. Fast forward, Juan was replaced with Roberts, Neil, Neil Roberts, who was also doing... G2 when I bought it. Uh, he took over Hearthstone. 
that went on for some years until we had disagreements and dissatisfactions. And then we realized, what do we need? We've got, we've got a vineyard manager. We've got a viticulturist. We've got labor company. We've got everything we need. Let's start a farming company. So in 19, we started a farming company and we picked up uh, four other small vineyards, which is all we want. We're now maxed out. This is not a business we're going to grow. It's a, you guys do a great job at it. <laughs> well, you just, <laughs> bought, you, just, you just bought some property on Township. Oh, yeah. Then this, this last year, I had an opportunity to get involved and educate myself with what's called a 1031 exchange. I had an office building that I had owned from my old business that I'd never gotten rid of and it needed to be sold and somebody wanted to buy it. So we did. And that set the clock ticking like in November to say, okay, you've got this many months to make it all happen. It's pretty quick. It's very quick. And we ended up acquiring a property on Niderer called, uh, now it's called the G2 North Vineyard. Not G3. No. We learned, <laughs> we learned our lesson real quick about that. Branding, marketing, baby. Who was it? Don Sonderling. Don Sonderling is a, uh, a writer who does wine writing. And I forget where I was talking to him. And I said, yeah, I'm going to call this new place G3. And he wrote about it. And it went out and it got picked up by Daily Wine News and went around the world. And, and like three days after I'd mentioned this, I get a call from um, Andy Beckstoffer's attorney. <laughs> he goes, hi, I'm Mel. Hi, Mel. Who might you be involved? What might this be about? And he goes, well, I'm Andy Beckstoffer's attorney, and we hear you're going to use G3 as a name, which isn't a real good idea. And I said, oh, let's talk about this. And he explained it very carefully. He was a very nice fellow. This was not a hardball corporate call at all. Shake down or anything. This was a polite, we're in the industry also call, which I give him huge. Thank you. I didn't know there was another G3. Well, there there isn't really. There's a Beckstoffer George's the third vineyard. Oh, and this is why I had man. missed it. But some people find that Beckstoffer George's the third vineyard wraps around their bottle twice. So a few wineries started abbreviating it G I I I. Got it. G three. That was close uh, enough. Maybe Schaefer or something. And and somebody else in a couple small wineries did G three as the abbreviation. Close enough to call, cause some confusion in their mind. It was on labels. It was never trademarked. But you know, it just. It's out in the marketplace before you. They got enough to, to piss on you, and oh, gee, I it's can, worth it to listen. I can be an asshole and start a legal fight with someone 100 times bigger than me. Sure. Which is never smart. Right. <laughs> or I can just roll over on my back, wave my arms and legs in the air like a good puppy, accept my defeat, and move because on. Because you don't need G3. I didn't. You didn't. I mean, G2 North, G2 this, G2 that. To me, that seems like way more where it's at. It's actually better. I think it is. Yeah. Totally. Because everyone goes, where's G1? And I go, well, that's Hearthstone, sort of. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, where did G2 come from? Where is it Gibbs t- because it's Gibbs 2, Gibbs 2.0. Oh, kind we of have thing. lots of stories about that. Really? Well, first, we mistakenly went to the family and got all their suggestions. And we curated that down to a list of about, oh, I don't know, 100 suggestions of what we ought to call our vineyard. You went to your family to say, what should we call our vineyard? And you got like a whole response. I didn't realize how bad an idea that was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Because not only is it, you not get great suggestions, but uh, you have to, you explain to them why you didn't use theirs. You be polite <laughs> about, you have to be politically polite about how you went yeah. back the other way. Did I give you a splash of this? I, I like that. Yeah. Here, let's, let's move to on to the, uh, the Saxon. Again, I dropped in to see yeah, Justin. It's crazy. I said, Justin, hey, I, I got to get your approval on any name we use. And uh, Oh, you do? Well, Practically, yeah, it's not contractually, but just it would be dirt stupid for me to use a name he didn't want to put on his label. Sure. So he's filling barrels at the time. We're in a big barrel room at Saxum, and I'm sitting on a barrel, and he's filling barrels, and Don is helping fill the barrels, and the three of us. And I'm reading through this list, and Justin's going, "Nope, 
Nope. Hell no. <laughs> and I, when G2 came up, he goes, that's it. I like G2. It's a good name. So I said, okay, great. We're the G2 Vineyard. And he put it on his label, and we got permission to borrow that, that strange little text and put it on the side of my truck and my business card. And that's about all the printing I do. Is my truck and my business. And that's really your logo. That's it. And now, I mean, if you look at some of your customers, they're the who's who cult leaders of what's happening. I mean, it's the, um, I mean, of course, it's the Donnie's from Turtle Rock. It's it's Stanley and Elena from Top. It's, um, I mean, who do I see? And I love because your Instagram has got all these people just like coming to pick up fruit and stuff. I mean, you got a lot of the who's who of, of what's going down in like Hot Paso winemaking right now well my instagram account is strictly for the business it's a business account <laughs> yeah you're not going to see pictures of me drunk at parties or anything <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the, my, my most popular pictures winemakers picking up grapes yeah and uh give me some of the client lists right now flex that client list right now or you're going to your phone you have it all mm-hmm. i didn't want to miss anybody oh there are you yeah. <laughs> yeah, <smart> <laughs> yeah. he pulls out a list i love it <laughs> i love my customers all of them anyway yeah, here you go <laughs> i can i can broaden that to <laughs> Go ahead, do your list. Okay, we have at G2, we have Saxum. Yeah! Turtle Rock, we have Top. Oh, where's my my crowd? There we go. Stanley's fantastic. In order of acreage. There we go, (laughs) look at this. We have Saxum. Turtle Rock. We have Top, my third biggest customer. Guillaume and Closeline. Scott Holly and Torin. Yeah. Orion and Emercy. Yes. Jacob Toft. Cool. Aaron. Tin City. Levo. Nicora. And Jason Bouchong. Look at this. But now we've got to mention G2 North. You got So this is a new one. Is this where the Township Road is? Or? Yeah. Township is the expansion to G2, which is one project we completed in the same time. And we got it prepared and planted in the 180 days. It's a miracle. Wow. Flip and you changed that area because I've, I've driven past that a lot. And I see like the entrance is a little bit different. Like you really... Oh, we got gates and fences. And sure. Yeah. All we don't have is water. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so G2 North is up at the end of Niderer. This is past... This is on beyond Closoline. In fact, you go to Closoline, you keep going, you come to the end of the paved road, you turn left, you go right to the entrance of Dunning, and you turn left again. You know where this is? Yeah, it's about where you hear the banjo start. That's about the side of it. And out there is something I swore I would never be involved with personally. Bordeaux grapes. Really? You're doing Bordeaux? I went to the dark side. I went to the dark side. I said, I cannot find a decent Rhone vineyard available for sale when I was looking. This is end of last year. And I, I even sent letters to everybody. I sent letters to everyone on York Mountain. People are going, who's Bill Gibbs? <laughs> well, York Mountain's getting pretty crowded now. There's a lot going on oh, there Oh, yeah, yeah. I would have loved to have gotten up where it's cooler and wetter. But uh, it didn't happen. And I, I annoyed a lot of people, actually, but, but they all said, no, thank you. Is there still any room up there at York Mountain or what? They're pretty all... There's property in the dirt, but it... it we farm most of York Mountain. Yeah, yeah right? Yeah, yeah. So who do you farm? Because there's like Anthony Young's doing his stuff up there. and He does his own thing. Russell, even... Well, you're probably doing Russell. Slide Hill. We do Slide Hill. Justin. Uh, yeah, we're doing his new developments. For really? Justin Sack? Smith. Yeah. yeah. The yeah, V2 Ranch. Andy Niner just bought a big piece up there. Did he? Gorgeous piece. Four yeah, Niner Wines? It's yet to be decided what he wants to do with it, but we bought we're it the month right before now. I was on the market. No way. Ah, beat me by this much. Really? So you were looking so you're looking hard. I was looking hard. My first choice was York Mountain. Yeah. I can't blame you for that. 
It's funny because we talked about York Mountain, and it's interesting because, you know, we've talked about Bill and Liz Armstrong, what they got there with Epic State Wines, and that's literally taking the old York Mountain winery property. This is the first bonded winery on the Central Coast back in the late 1880s. And what we're seeing now, I mean, the Epic stuff has come online, and the York Mountain stuff is beautiful. It is. It's a really special spot up there. For sure. And Kyle yeah. does a really good job farming it. Um, yeah. And, and it's a totally yeah. different soil profile for most of the people. Right. So it's own AVA. You're, a lot of people don't know. You're listening to this. You hear the Paso AVA. York Mountain is literally its own AVA. Well, the first property I looked at for this development last year was, was available, but it was 600 acres on the east side of York Mountain, and half of it wasn't in York Mountain. Half of it was east of York Mountain. And it was this big, beautiful park with no power, no water, no roads, just <laughs> trees everywhere. And you're thinking, how the hell would anyone develop this, you know, and just be a, a massive undertaking? I had to pass on that. Yeah. But it was available. We never got to a price. <laughs> so if, it, if it's half in York Mountain, what's the other half in? I think it would now be considered... Um, Central Coast AVA? Paso AVA? Slow Coast. Slow Coast AVA. Yeah. Oh, Interesting. That's so interesting that you have to think of like the earth you want to buy you could plant a, based on the you, AVA. You could plant thing. a block of grapes and only half of the grapes would be able to use York Mountain and the other rows yeah. one through 50 would have to be called, you know, Slow Coast AVA or something. G2 North, my first Bordeaux property, uh, which has exactly the same soil profiles as James Berry Vineyard. It's four tenths of a mile north of James Berry Vineyard. You can't get much closer than that. And you can see James Berry Vineyard from the house up at... Uh, G2 North. So the only thing wrong with this property was it has a house. <laughs> you don't want a house? Just a vineyard? Of course not. Ha- <laughs> this has to be commercial property by law as part of the 1031 exchange. So I'm now a, a new vacation rental person. Oh, man. You don't e- want to be that, did you? Everyone come stay at the house at G2 North. <laughs> I'm down. Let me try it out. I'll get it out there for you. <laughs> Uh, it's got a great view, by the way. I bet it does. It's, a, like Dow, a, it's a Dow quality view. I was thinking it was a wedding venue. But Oh, hey-o. Oh, hey-o, G2. Let's talk, <laughs> Bill Gibbs. So, so uh, we have G2 North now, this place that's just north of Jamesbury. And we've got some great customers there. Uh, Turtle Rock came over. And these are guys buying. There's a little Syrah there, but it's mostly Cab Franc, Merlot, and Ooh. Cabernet Sauvignon. Oh, interesting. Uh, LXV is a new customer for me. I mm. farm for them. But they love Cab Franc, and they're my biggest Cab Franc it's customer. It's funny because you got Nita, who I love. I could have her read the phone book. Her voice is so beautiful. She loves San Giovese. Kunal, who told a story on this podcast of when Kim Jong-un hacked his cell phone. He was about to go on vacation, and he woke up in his bed with his wife, and his cell phone had a skull on it. Like, because <laughs> the whole Sony hack, right? Oh. You know, that whole Sony hack. He was, yeah. all, he was like tech leader over there and uh he loves cab franc it's his favorite grape in fact we did, we did a set of show with them in fact they got a vineyard very close to this and they're planting cab franc and did you get a lot of shit for planting anything but roans over there well i didn't plant any of this it's already there i bought this in uh, i think we closed in march but it's perfect because they're planting cab franc over there not far so it's gonna show to do well we rushed in in march Maybe late February, we started pruning, we started dropping positions, we started dropping fruit, we, not fruit actually, but fruit positions. We wanted to turn this, we wanted to very quickly in one year flip this commercially grown property into uh, something that would be a rock star vineyard. A rock star vineyard. And it'll take some years for the grapes, their head's still spinning, the, the trellises are just. 360 because they're so confused by all this. But yeah, we, we switched them to organic, but we have to wean them off the fertilizer program they've been on. They, yep. we, we can't just do that in one year. So they're like, they're like on half rations this year. Next year will be quarter rations. 
But we got to get them onto full organic. We got to get them onto no herbicides. They've been on a strictly herbicide program in the past. So yeah, these are big changes, and that's what we went out and pitched to these people. We didn't charge them G two prices first year. We gave them a last year's prices kind of thing. But Turtle Rock jumped on board. LXV jumped on board. And if I hadn't sold them grapes, a I wouldn't have sold all my Cab Frank, and b Nita would have never given me a moment's peace. She's a <laughs> She's a good negotiator in a totally different way. She's a great negotiator, and she's a sweet woman. Yes, she needs to get what she wants. I'm, I'm her advocate for sure. But also a, a customer <laughs> we're very excited to be working with this year is Rise. This is one Ricardo's project. yeah. It turns out he needs Bordeaux grapes also. He got half my Merlot, uh, some Cab Franc, some Cabernet Sauvignon. That's a lot of fun. Guillaume came back for some more Bordeaux. Love so, working with Guillaume. Now that you're like cleaning up the way these vineyards are farmed, new clients are coming in. Can they say to you, hey, I'd love for you to XYZ here or what? Yes, but there's no XYZ available to us. This property was all planted in Geneva Double Curtain. I had never seen Geneva Double Curtain in my life. I'd never heard of Geneva Double Curtain. I don't even know what that is. It sounds like it's a, it's a, a trellis method. structure that's a quad structure. So each plant comes up and, and goes out in four cordons, okay? And it's all about five feet off the ground. It's very tall, which is a problem. Do you like this, Lucas? I like that. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're 6'7". <laughs> yeah, Lu- Lu- Lucas has no problem. He's a tall drink of water. It works out good for him. But my, my harvest is hysterical, watching my four-foot-tall Oaxacan harvesters try yes. and come in and, and, and get this stuff. It's, it's, the big shock this year was two weeks ago when we discovered it took us twice as long to harvest a ton. Because I do, all the, I do all the harvest planning and I do all the harvest projection and the, and the yield projections and I, I schedule the crews and we make sure how much we have each day. And after the first pick with, with four tons falling unfinished and uh, we're going, holy shit, twice as long? Book every yeah. day in the next two weeks and bring in more crews. And we swelled our crew to 35 one morning. And we're doing all this at night because uh, I guess basically we're doing it at night because it's better for the fruit and we like to be the crew's first pick. Because some of these crews go off and take a second job. <laughs> uh, they get burnt out. Well, when you have a second pick crew come in, they're dragging. And they're going to work their ass off for another nine hours, which is, God bless them. But I don't want to be that guy that has a, a second pick crew coming in. So we start, this year we've been starting at 11 p.m. Wow. And we work till 5 or 6 in the morning. During the heat wave, we had to because by 9 o'clock it was hot. It was too hot for the fruit by 9 o'clock. Oh, yeah. What kind of uh, problems scrambling did that heat wave... <laughs> Lucas is laughing. I'll ask you both. What kind of scrambling did that heat wave cause you? Well, scrambling, the, the heat wave screwed me royal. Uh, did it? Tell me. Only, only financially. <laughs> uh, only. Well, only the basis of my business. <laughs> exactly. Well, first, there was a mad scramble when we saw the heat wave coming to get everything in that we possibly could. And that turned out to be most of my Syrah. We were able to get most of the Syrah in before the heat wave, but it was already suffering from a third drought year. You know, it was, it was this Syrah just doesn't do drought as well as other uh, varieties. That's weird because you normally hear it's pretty resilient, but I guess not with no. long drought. I mean, it's not like ultra sensitive, but it doesn't shut down in drought conditions. It doesn't stop transpiring the way Grenache does. So it just keeps looking for water even though there's no water. Mm. And with drip irrigation, you just can't get enough water onto the fruit to make up for rain. It just is like we're supplemental at best. And of course, these are all great quality indicators. The, <laughs> the struggle that this, these plants went through this year is very high. And the quality of fruit we're getting out of the Syrah is incredible. It's the businessman in me that cries for yields being off 40 and 50%. And this is the year we switched to ton pricing. So, <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah, so it, it just happened that way. But then the heat wave hit, 
and it just did further damage. And uh, uh, my least favorite grape in heat conditions has to be Graciano. You got some Graciano goof, Graciano? All my Graciano was planted by mistake. I must yeah. have 10 acres. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> Graciano hears the word heat, and she says, I'm going to bed now. We're dying. Yeah. <laughs> raisins? Anybody want raisins? It didn't matter. Oh, man. Whether it's, whether it's the lack of humidity, whether it's the air temperature, whether it's the radiant heat, and we use shade cloth, and we pump them with water beforehand. And black or white? It helps a little. Shade cloth. Yeah, black or white shade cloth. What, well, what is black, of course. Does it? Oh, I've heard people use white before. I don't know. They do use white, but Justin doesn't like it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he says it looks like shit. <laughs> the aesthetic. The aesthetic that we all have to worry about. Also, back to G2 North. We have, uh, I mentioned Guillaume. We have Herman Story for the first time as nice. a regular customer. Scott Holly came back. He's also a G2 customer. The he bought some of the G2 North Syrah. Touring in the house. Uh, I have to say this carefully so I don't get in trouble with the current owner. The winemaker that was, is X Nell and Future Nell. But not currently, Nell. Tyler Russell. Tyler, Tyler Russell, Russell. I do love. The rambling winemaker. So what do you mean he's ex and future? Well, he cannot use the name now, but their contract gives it back to him at some point in the future. Oh, okay. So he will right. be Nell in the future. But I made the mistake on Instagram of calling him the Nell guy. And oh, no. Word got back to me that the owner oh. this month of Nell oh. was very annoyed. <laughs> and I said, oh. This month. So sorry. I, I didn't, wouldn't want to associate him with my G2 North brand. I know. Exactly right. Like, <laughs> dude, it's like, you're welcome. Now that he mentions it, I'm kind of annoyed myself. Let's yeah. fix this. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Go to Instagram. So he button, be- edit. Nell became the rambling winemaker. I do love Tyler Russell. Great guy. Tyler's a great guy. He's a great dude. He's a great guy. Uh, and then we have small amounts of fruit being sold to Nakora and tiniest amount to a lovely lady, Natasha, who works for Concor. Now, you, how do you say no to people? Are you saying no to people? Obviously, you've got to say a lot of no's to people. Well, as soon as I say yes to somebody, that greatly reduces who I can say yes to again because I have no fruit. Yeah. Right. So I have no fruit. It's all sold out. At the end of harvest, we'll go through the customer list, and they have first right of refusal in my mind. Let me ask you this. Does every person that you listed and named there have the ability to put a vineyard-designate wine G2 on their carte blanche? No. You want to make sure you know what it's like. They should, they should ask for permission. Yeah. They should say, Bill, this is the wine we want to make. These are the grapes we want to make it with. This is the label we want to put on. And really, for all these people, I probably would not say no. I right. like all these yeah. people. They're all great. I mean, you just named the, the all-star list. Uh, even the tiny guys that don't buy yeah. much from me, they're still important customers. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's an it's, it's important thing to maintain control over. Some of those Rise wines, those are new. <laughs> Juan Mercado is kind of new to the game here. But he's very obviously established in Napa with the, you know, Realm fame and stuff. And we did a show with him and Eric Jensen. What are some of your feelings on some of the, the first things you've been able to get from him and taste of his? I've never tasted a, a Juan wine other than maybe a Realm. Yeah. Oh, but Juan's, Juan's, huh. Juan's not a wine maker. Right. In fact, his Rise wines are being made by Anthony. Anthony Yunt. Anthony Yunt. Yeah, which really I love Anthony. And I, what do you know about this? Well, most of the list that you're... There's some of the properties that Bill farms for him, but most of that list, we farm their estates. Got it. That's what we do. Right. And so, like, uh, it was really interesting to hear Merlot, because Scott Hawley's planting Merlot at his personal place. But Rise, we farm for Juan and his partner's Ash and... Yeah, they own Shadow Canyon Vineyards. They own what we call Arbor that's 2 because it doesn't Mountain, have a right? name. It is on York Mountain. Yeah. Um, that's where the, the Arbor 2 property is going to be where the winery actually sits. And they just just closed a week or two ago on the um, – it was known as the Heaton Ranch or Wills Hills. 
prior. On Willow Creek. On Willow Creek. We are yeah. finishing our picks there. Old Dry Farms Inn. Uh, there's a little bit in the back that's going to stay, and then we're redeveloping the whole property for them. And I've tried the wines. Very good. I've tried them out of barrel. I've tried them in bottle. If you peek at a party where Juan shows up, there's going to be an unlabeled bottle somewhere hidden on a table amongst a bunch of other bottles. And I think the last time that we got together was at a party. A one party. Um, yeah, a one party with uh, the I folks from Vice Versa. I met you for the first and, time. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and there were, there was actually his Tempranillo and he had another bottle there hidden in the back of the table. He's really quiet about how he, he shows his wines, but he also has decided to hold his wines for an additional year in bottle. Yeah. Because they were supposed to be released this year and I think he's holding, um, I'm, I don't know the reasoning behind it. Well, he's not happy with them. Now, his first release would be I at 19. I think he's happy with well, them. Well, maybe he wants, he wants them to be in bed a little longer, right? As yeah. good as possible. If he wanted them out that now, he put them out now. He's a smart dude. He is a smart dude, and he's a super creative guy. Looking at what they So might he be dragging on, dragging on the sexiness a little bit? He could be making the allure a little bit deeper in well, a way? He wouldn't tell us what the label was forever. We didn't know his right. brand. We farmed for him. I know. Bins would show up in OE on him, and it was like, oh, man, I'm sitting there guessing what are the what does this <laughs> I mean? know. Yeah, when I talked <laughs> to him with Eric, I, I think he told me off the air, but he wouldn't yeah. let us talk about it on the air. And it's cool. I love, I love oh the idea. I, mean, I, I love names that throw spelling out the window. They become trademarkable so instantly. E, that's what he was talking <laughs> they about. Do. They do. And the double I is number that. two. It's yeah. pretty Specifically. awesome. He has locked on to something really cool. And obviously, it's a great testament to Paso, oh. where you see someone who has done the success that he has conquered in Napa, but like yep. wants to not just be here as far as like buy fruit, but like he wants to be part of the community. He well, does. And he's been a part of the community for decades. I yep. mean, he's been friends with sure. the local winemakers for Correct. Right. 15 years at least. Mm-hmm. What's amazing are the Napa people he brings down. Because as you meet these Napa people, you go, you're not from around here, are you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's kind of a, a different world. It's, 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 you see more of these people. Like, isn't like Helen Keplinger doing some yeah, stuff right now? developed Helen's Vineyard. Did you uh, really? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yep. So you're kind of like on the tip of all these like... Co- Coastal Vineyard <laughs> Services is, is the Gucci farm company in Paso Robles. There's no doubt about it. Uh, that's the good. We'd like to you do a really it, good job and it, the client list overlaps so much and I'm surprised our paths haven't, haven't crossed more than they do. Um, At least through we're, we're, um, I told her I'd mention her in the, in the podcast somewhere. Well, she's an all-star. <laughs> she, I mean, she's an all-star. She's absolutely amazing. And Johnny and their family is pretty awesome to be, to hey, have in Paso. They, they raise Caitlin our and Johnny. industry. To Caitlin and Johnny. I wouldn't have a business without Caitlin. Oh, for sure. For sure. She's an all-star. She's my viticulturist. Oh, so she was yep. the one we talked about in the beginning of this. Yep. Yes. She was the one that's a big fan of Heliotide. Oh, I also need to toast Armando. Armando. I wouldn't have a business without my vineyard manager. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. <laughs> to Armando. I love it. So we, t- This what is, is fun after you've been drinking a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they say. Oh, but, yeah. you know, the, the, the whole Coastal Vineyard Services leads me to one comment I want to get on, on the tape, which is people always ask me how much of a, a great wine, these great wines... How does it break down? How does it break down? And I'm, I'm biased, and these numbers are not perfect. But my opinion is that, that one-third of the, the whole wine quality comes from terroir, which is everything, including the microbiome and the microclimate and the dirt and the soil, everything about place that makes a difference in the grape. Okay, The slope is part of what makes a difference in the place. All that's very important, and it all comes through. The next third is the farming, because you can do commodity farming anywhere, or you can try and do special farming, and, and certainly Coastal Vineyard Services specializes in the special farming. And I think this farming segment of how you take this, this great terroir and you do something special with it doesn't get enough credit. I'm biased because I'm the farmer. <laughs> 
I'm the gentleman farmer, though. I'm not the actual farmer. You know, it's a, I like that term, gentleman farmer. Uh, though I do like working nights for the picks. Uh, we differ in that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't trust anybody, so I run the scales in the forklift. <laughs> Understood. Understood. I got three little ones at home that tug at me all the time. So right. It's just lovely. My little ones are older than you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless, of course, we're talking about my grandkids, which get back down to that size. Yeah, right. So I don't think the farming and the difference in farming gets enough credit for what a difference it makes in the quality of the grapes. I mean, if you, if you farm those things to the highest possible standard, you get better grapes, and that makes better wine. And then, of course, the last third I leave to the winemaker because we do honor the winemaker and we, 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 we make superstars out of them in Paso Robles. And I think we should. The companies that hide their winemakers are doing so as a business decision so that they can replace them with another commodity winemaker and, and not affect their brand or their, or their business. But the companies that put the winemaker on the label, the guy who is building his business, who has built his business, who has done it all himself, I mean, you just can't give these guys enough credit. So give me that moonshine, we'll get by, we bounce all around till the job is camped out in the trees, it will simplify good company. Wow, what a great conversation. Notice we didn't rap there. Yeah, there was some more really, really good conversation. I mean, a lot of it. Probably enough for another two or three episodes. But I'm going to share the best of what's left and give you a little bit more in part two because there is, there's some good stuff. You just don't get these two guys, these growers like this, get to ask all these questions, get all this tea while you're hitting record. So I got more for you and I'm excited to share it with you. So like I said, here we are, October, and you know what that means, Harvest Wine Month. What used to be just Harvest Wine Weekend is now Harvest Wine Month in Paso. So please check out what your favorite winery is doing. Go to PasoWine.com. You could search by activity, day, by winery. This month is definitely the time to make your way to Paso. Still take in the sights, smells, and sounds of harvest with also even more for you to enjoy, experience, and keep you enticed. There's a lot going on downtown, in the vineyards, and more. So for all the info, check out PasoWine.com for the latest. Where Wine Takes You is executive produced by Joel Peterson and Paso Wine. Associate producer is Jen Bravo. Also thanks to Jamie Guzman for assistance and fulfillment. The podcast is recorded, edited, and produced by yours truly. Original music on the pod, the song Good Company, performed by my friends Moonshiner Collective. You can check them out wherever you stream your music and learn more, moonshinercollective.com. Technical consideration and equipment transportation, thanks to Fly With Wine. Next time you're cruising the Central Coast, you can tune me in on your radio. My morning radio show, Up and Adam in the Morning, can be heard weekday mornings on Wine Country Radio, The Crush 92.5. We stream online, crush with a K, K-R-U-S-H-925.com. Also got a free app in your smartphone. Thanks again for connecting with us here. I know your time, your routines are valuable, so you have no idea how thankful I am you share yours with us here. I am your host, Adam Montiel. Till next time, lift that glass up. It's officially Harvest Wine Month in Paso. Get out and enjoy, and then share where wine takes you. And give me that sound give out and pass on down till the job is camped out in the trees. It will simplify and good come. Give me that sound give out and pass on down till the job is camped out in the trees. It will simplify and good come. Give me that sound give out and pass on down till the job is. 
camped out in the trees. We'll simplify in good company. With that moonshine, we'll get by. We pass all around till the job is dry. Camped out in the trees. We'll simplify in good company.